Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Our GSP Ace of the Day presented by Turn of Tennis. Hope all of our listeners in the United States enjoyed their July 4th weekend. Perhaps some of you had the opportunity to hit the court yourselves, take advantage of the fact that there was no play this past Sunday at Wimbledon. Sets up a fantastic Manic Monday for all of us tennis fans here on this Monday. But of course, perhaps you had the chance to hit the courts yourselves, work on your games with whomever you choose to spend your independent Day weekend with, and maybe while you were out there, you know, it's hot here in July. It gets, you know, 85, 90 degrees, depending on where you are. It can be humid as well. Certainly, I'll be schwitzing like a hazer out there whenever I am on court. If you are sweating, you know, sometimes that racket gets slippery. Sometimes that prevents you from hitting the serve as hard as you can, hitting the ball cleanly as hard as you can. You lose confidence putting two hands on the racket, and so you're only hitting slice backhands, whatever it may be. When you lose confidence in your grip, it's just no fun to be there out on the court anymore. And thankfully, with our friends at Turn of Tennis, you no longer have to lose confidence in your grip ever again. You guys know Turn of Tennis, the best in the business, the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat, the only grip who's performance in hot and humid conditions is unmatched. If you would like to join the Turna Tennis family today, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You let them know that we here at Cracked Rackets sent you. Not only will they hook you up with discounted college pricing, they'll get you some free samples. They'll treat you like family. We are so grateful from the support we get from our friends at Turna. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. To contact Turn Tennis, remember, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, as nice as it was to have a day off, and for those of you who are curious, what do we do here at CR headquarters when there is a day free from tennis? Well, on this Sunday, we ended up moving to the east side of Indianapolis. Daniel Westoff and I solidifying our union, moving into our own place, CR headquarters officially 
currently set up. We do apologize for the hour that this podcast is getting to all of you. We'll be sure to get back on schedule starting tomorrow, but unfortunately we had to do things like set up the internet, set up the washer and dryer, get the beds in, get the frames in, move the couches. I'm not going to lie. I'm embarrassed at how sore my arms are right now. It was a heavy day of lifting here at CRHQ, but of course now we get to do uh, get to go back to the sort of heavy lifting we like to do, which is putting some money in all of your pockets. That's how we look through week one at the GSP Ace of the Day picks we made. That's what we were able to do through week one. We take a recap here. We are 14 victories, 9 losses, 3 outstanding bets, up 7.09 units through the first 6 days of this event. To recap, you know, again, how we did on Saturday, 2-2 two and two overall on the last day of this tournament, up .26 units, now up .26. Again, you're not screaming to your wife, we, you, you can quit your job, honey, I'm up .26 units today. I guess, unless you're betting in the tens of millions, then it's like, hey, I just won $2.6 million. we're good to go. Uh, but again, 2-2 two and two in the positives, we'll take it, momentum coming into week two. Cam Norrie, unfortunately, did not pull off the upset of Roger Federer. I don't know if it's unfortunately. I suppose only unfortunate in the sense that my pick was incorrect, but he did manage to take that third set. The match goes over three and a half sets. We sort of covered our losses there. It certainly helped that we had a win from Barbara Krejcikova in three sets over Sevastova. That parlayed with the Lorenzo Sinego money line, who was a straight set winner over Duckworth, earned us a victory. Ostapenko came close to delivering us a three and one day she took that first set over Alia Tomjanovic but ultimately Tomjanovic able to win the match in three now the other half of that parlay Paula Bedosa did earn the victory and it's always better to go one and one than oh and two in a loss certainly we can take some solace in the fact that we're headed in the right direction but again two and two on Saturday that brings our overall record for the event to 14 nine and three those three outstanding bets because there are no ties in this game obviously Novak Djokovic, five units to win four, minus 125 to win the event. His odds now up in the minus 190 range, so, you know, we still have value there. And then both Berrettini and Zverev, who had plus odds to win their quarter, they're both still alive in this event. They are both one win away from a quarterfinal matchup, so they're able to get over that finish line on Monday. That will add another unit to our pockets, 14, 9, and 3, 7.09 units in the book in week one with that we turn the page we start fresh it's only gonna get tougher from here and folks guess what it's manic mother monday we have perhaps the best day on the tennis calendar coming up with that in mind here are my selections for monday's picks for our gsp aces of the day let's start with the money lines, as always, I have one for you. And certainly, while the story of Emma Raducanu has been Raducanu, I'm, I apologize. I think I'm getting better at pronouncing it. That was my inner Michigan roots, Raducanu, Alex, Raducanu, however you want to pronounce it. There's no denying she has been one of the stories of this 2021 Wimbledon. You look for the 18-year-old to reach the Wimbledon round of 16 in her first main draw of a Grand Slam. It's a special, special performance, and you look 
for Radakanu, and that's what I'm going with. I apologize. I got nervous as I was stating it at the start, but you look for Radakanu. She wasn't the top junior in the world uh, dating back. I mean, she's still 18 years old, so I suppose as recently as last year, but she had creeped into the top 20 of the rankings, and she really transitioned to playing full-time ITF events when she was 16, 17 years old. She reached a career high of number 20 in the ITF junior ranking. She played all of the junior slams when she was young. And you actually look back, Iga Sviantek was a junior Wimbledon champion in her run to that junior Wimbledon title back in 2018. She defeated a young woman by the name of Emma Raducanu, uh, 6-love, 6-1 in the quarterfinals. Now, that's a brutal scoreline, but it's worth noting Raducanu knocked off Leila Fernandez 2-4 and four in the second round of that tournament. So certainly, she has had success in her career. You mentioned, or you mentioned, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Some pro circuit success for her as well. She's already reached five finals at the ITF level, three at 15Ks, two at 25Ks. She's won three titles, including a 25K back in December of 2019. She also earned a win over Clara Tawson, now inside the top 100. Now, it was back in February of 2020, but she did beat Tawson 4-2 in the semifinal of a hard-court event. You look for her career, 49-16. and in pro events. Now, she's only played on fast surfaces, and that's notable because it makes sense. You watch her game. She's a player who wants to attack the ball, be taking it early on the rise, attempting to get to the net, put some pressure on her opponents, which, by the way, something you love to see. You love to see a player at that age just playing attacking tennis, being aggressive, playing on their terms, going down swinging, because as that skill set develops, as Radakanu becomes more solid in everything she does, to have that aggressive mindset is certainly going to pay dividends. And you look for Radakanu again, 18 years old right now, already number 338 in the world entering this event. Now you look for her, certainly her ranking skyrocketing after she makes the round of 16 here at Wimbledon. You look for Radakanu, she is now up up to number 175 in the live rankings, 18 years old, inside the top 200. That's where you want to be, but you look for her in her career. She's had a ton of success against players ranked outside the top 100. You look for her, her records uh, in those sorts of matches. She's, I believe, uh, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to get these numbers incorrect for you. You look for uh, Raducanu thus far. She's, I mean, the 49 and 16, the majority of those matches are happening against players outside the top 100, but you look for her her record in those matches, Raducanu, 39-15 and 15 overall. Now you look for her, her record against players inside the top 100. She's 2-0, and and both of those wins came at this Wimbledon. The win over Von Drusova in round two, the win over Kirstea in round number three. She now matches up with Alia Tomjanovic in round number four, and what's so interesting to me Tamjanovic only a minus 127 favorite over Raducanu. And again, you look for Raducanu. She's played two top 100 matches in her career. And she's won both of them in straight sets. There's no denying she's looked impressive in these past two victories. But you look for Alia Tamjanovic. The last 52 number, not imp- that, you know, doesn't stand out. 19 and 20 overall. But you look at her results of late. You look at a more granular level. She beats Ostapenko in three. Beats Cornet, who's coming off that first run run over Andrescu in three sets. She's also gotten wins recently over Elisa Mertens, three sets 
in Birmingham. That was on the grass. You look for her during the clay court season. She beat Vandrusova. She was able to beat Abuzkova. She was able to beat Apatopova back in Miami. You know, she's lost a, a lot of tight matches to a lot of good players as well. You look at some of the losses she's taken of late. She loses to Pavlochenkova, eventual finalist at the French Open in Rome. She loses to Ostapenko, Madrid. She loses to Rabakina, Charleston. She lo- uh, excuse me, Miami. She loses to Naomi Osaka, Australia. She loses a really tight three-cent match to Simona Halep, Abu Dhabi, Arena Sabalenka. So yes, you know some of those loss. Uh, you know there's there's a loss in there to uh, to Coco Vandeweghe in three sets. I'm sure she'd like to have that one back. There's a loss to Storm Sanders in Adelaide. She'd absolutely like to have that one back, but. Tomjanovic has played good tennis over the last 52 weeks, and you look at her numbers here this season, first serve percentage up 3%, first serve win percentage hovering at that 64% number where she's at for her career, her second serve win percentage up 2% overall, she's winning a percent more of her serve points, a percent more of her return points than her career averages, and it's worth noting for Alia Tomjanovic, still only 28 years old, currently ranked number 75, again, is that ceiling going to be a top 10 player? player no but she is rock solid and she's got the opportunity one of those rare opportunities that you see when a tour is amidst a generational shift to capitalize on her draw make her first round of 16 at a grand slam it's her or excuse me make her first quarter final it's her second appearance in the round of 16 the last one came in 2014 she lost in straight sets to Carlos Suarez Navarro at the French Open but you look for Tamjanovic, what did she do so well against Ostapenko? Absorb that first strike and just put a ton of pressure on Ostapenko throughout the match. Keep the ball deep and in the center of the court. Don't offer her any clean opening. Certainly Ostapenko, with the sort of firepower she had from the baseline, was able to force open some openings, but give nothing away from uh, for free. Put a ton of first serves into the body of Ostapenko and just, again, ask every question of her. Make her hit you off the court, and then when the opportunity comes, of course, play that attacking tennis. Get her in the outer thirds. Go down the line when the moment arises. Don't be afraid to move forward, but it was a a brilliant game plan by Tomjanovic, who made that match physical, and I just think in this stage, round of 16, you look for Raducanu, who, again, has played very few, I believe six total tour-level matches entering uh, this round of 16, and all of them have come at Wimbledon. She played qualifying at Wimbledon in 2017. She played qualifying at Wimbledon, I believe, in 2018 as well. In both of those matches, she ends up losing first round, and then 2019, uh, or excuse me, yeah, 2017, 2018, 2019, she's able to play qualifying there as well. Yep, you look, or excuse me, 2018, 2019, she didn't do it in 2017. I was like, I think I'm a year too soon on that, but in neither of those cases did she end up winning a first-round match. The other tour-level event came in Nottingham 2021. She loses a round of 64 as a wild card to Harriet Dart. Again, the aggressive tennis of Raducanu, she's embraced this Wimbledon crowd. She's playing and swinging freely with nothing to lose. It worked for her all week one. Again, impressive wins over Vandrusova, Kirstea, and Diachenko. I just think Tamjanovic right now, there's just a degree of physicality. 
that I just don't think Raducanu into week two of a slam is going to be ready to compete with. I also think Tamjanovic is ready to take advantage of this moment. She is playing some really rock-solid tennis of late, and the numbers aren't spectacular. You look for Tamjanovic. She's 12-17 and 17 against top 100 opponents, 3-13 and 13 against top 20, 1-3 against top 10. She's 7-3 and three against opponents outside the top 100, though, and that really is what Ranakanu is right now. I know she's played outstanding tennis week one, but there are pressures that come with week two. Certainly, she's had some time now to sit and think on all of the success, and sometimes when you're amidst uh, a, a dream run, that's the worst thing in the world. I just think minus 127 is too low for Tom Janovic right now. She does everything a little bit better than Ranakanu. I think she's going to do a better job of being disciplined. You know, Kirstea just felt like kept swinging and swinging out of corners and trying to hit her way with one shot back into rallies against Raducanu. Tamjanovic isn't going to do that. Tamjanovic is going to make matches physical, and certainly Raducanu is going to have some opportunities to attack, but Give me Tamjanovic in the end if she can withstand the firepower of Yelena Ostapenko. I think she's going to be able to coax enough errors, withstand the firepower of Raducanu. Again, minus 127 for a first Grand Slam round of 16 at 18 years old. That just feels too low. This is a value grab. Tamjanovic, minus 127, one unit on that to win .79. That's ace of the day number one. That's our only money line bet Ace of the day number two in over-under, and this is just a match I think is going to epitomize the sort of physicality that is now possible uh, to be played on a grass court. I also think this match may end up being your match of the day. Certainly this has all of the ingredients to be one of those three-hour, three-set matches. And that's the round of 16 battle we have on our hands between Angelique Kerber and Coco Goff. Now certainly by pedigree, Angelique Kerber probably the second favorite right now, uh, maybe even the favorite. She's certainly the most experienced player left in the draw. She's a Wimbledon champion back in 2018, which really wasn't that long ago from a tennis perspective. She made the finals back in 2016 as well. Uh, you look for her, her last five, uh, yeah, her last five losses at this event. Lauren Davis, three sets, but worth noting data point, that was a three-set loss for her in the 2019 round of 64. You look back 2018, she wins. 2017, three-set loss to Muguruza. 2016, she loses in the final to Serena. 2015, three-set loss to Muguruza, 2014, straight set loss in the quarterfinals to Bouchard. So she either makes the final, she either loses in three sets to Muguruza, or she makes the quarterfinals of this event. It, I just She just plays close matches. Wimbledon and the grass courts have always been kind, excuse me, to Angelique Kerber. You look for her in her career, 81 and 29 on this surface. That's 74% win percentage better than the 65% on hard courts, the 56% on clay courts. You look at her numbers for her career, her first serve percentage, 3% more effective on a grass court. Her second serve percentage, 2% more effective, uh, 2.5% really, on a grass court. Her return points relatively constant. They only go down 0.2%. 
Her game was just tailor-made for that grass court, her ability to go down the line, attack open space, her ability to play physically on these on this surface as well, and just, again, absorb, redirect that backhand down the line. Super, super special. Her ability to hit that inside-out forehand when you're not expecting it, and just, again, even though there's not that much firepower on the serve, her ability to hit that first ball where you're not super effective grass court player, and you look for her in week one. Couple of physical matches, that Cerebas Tormo second round victory may have been the match of the tournament she was pushed to the brink but she gets through that gets through Sasnovich as well loses the first set 6-2 bounces back for an 0-1 second and third set victory and you look for now eight match win streak that certainly means something for Angelique Kerber coming off of that Bad Hamburg title the week before Wimbledon she's in one of those modes in one of those streaks where she plays her best tennis and we've all seen in the past when she plays her best tennis she can come out of nowhere win a grand slam like she did in 2018 here at this very event. You look for Coco Goff, though. This is what a breakthrough looks like. And I've talked about her advanced metrics before, but it's worth mentioning Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings, which again measure who you play, not when or where, like the ranking system does, because right now Coco Goff ranked number 23. She's a top 10 player in both overall ELO, where she's ranked number 9, and in terms of uh, 2021 specific ELO, where she's ranked out as the 7th best player uh, in this 2021 season. You look for her 39 and 17 in her last 52. You look at what she's done at the Grand Slam. She's now made the round of 16 in four of her eight main draws at Slams. 2019 Wimbledon, she does it there. 2020 Australian Open, she does it there. 2021 Roland Garros, she does it there. She now does it back-to-back for the first time here at this Wimbledon event. Straight set wins for her in all matches that you would script and say, hey, as the number 20 seed she is, she should win these matches. She does comfortably over Jones, Vesnina, Yvonne, and, you know, again, on this surface, her serve amplified, and her serve does have the ability. She is a top 25, top 30 server right now in terms of hold percentage. She's in the top 30 club, which, again, there's about 15, uh, 11 to 15 members of on in any given week, top 30 in both hold percentage and break percentage. But at age 17, to be in that club shows she has consistently across surface been a top 15 player of late. And again, her game set and her game style makes sense why she would have success on all three surfaces. She's got a weapon of a first serve. She's got the ability to play t- attacking tennis. Someone recently, I forget whom, wrote about her double success, how that's influenced her singles game, and it certainly has helped her. I mean, she's comfortable moving forward, comfortable hitting both the swinging volleys, the first volley to the open space, comfortable hitting the overhead out of the air, can do a little bit of everything and gets better and better physically, will attack a second serve that hangs, will you know be able to absorb a first strike, track down that first ball, play physical tennis. Also, she definitely gets a little bit tentative down the stretch, and sometimes because she can do 17 different things, Coco Goff still trying to find what exactly plan A needs to look like, and again, she's 17 years old. She's allowed to still wonder what the best version of herself looks like, but you know, again, that best version, we're coming closer and closer to seeing. I, I mentioned it, uh, the fact that she is 21-9 in uh, nine at the slams now in her career. I mentioned the fact that 39-17 and 17 in her last 52. The losses, three sets to Sevastova at Eastbourne. We just saw Sevastova play a fantastic match against Krejcikova to get knocked out in three. That Again, that's a good loss. She loses to the eventual champion Krejcikova in Roland Garros during the clay court season. Her losses were to Sviantek, Pliskova, and Onjabur. 
yeah, Coco Goff is here to stay, folks. She's already making that breakthrough. She's already ascending towards her prime. And again, she's only 17 years old. It is going to be scary what the final version of Coco Goff looks like. All of this is to say, if Kerber's playing her best tennis, if Coco Goff's playing her best tennis, this match destined to be on center court, this is the one that's going to screw up the schedule. This is the one, in my opinion, that is going the distance, going three sets. Goff's yet to play a three-set match in this tournament. I know Kerber's just played two, so they're both trending in that direction, in my opinion. Kerber plays physical matches. Coco Goff destined to play some as this tournament progresses. Give me the over two and a half sets in Goff Kerber plus 135. We're only going to throw half a unit on it because there's always that world where it's a 7-5, 7-5 or a really tight 7-6 first set, and then the other player just fades a little bit physically. And for Kerber, I mentioned she's won, what, eight straight matches. It's a a lot of tennis. That means this is now her ninth match in about 12 days. Again, I'm riding over two and a half sets in this match, plus 135, half a unit to win 0.68. That is ace of the day number two. Now, ace of the day three and four, a couple of parlays because what would the start of the second week of Wimbledon be without a parlay? Let's start with option one. Barty minus 275 over Krejcikova. You look for Ashley Barty of late. I mean, she's she passed the test. She's healthy. That's what week one proves us. That was our biggest question about her. 31-6 and six in her last 52. That first serve fits like a hand in a glove. Her game style, hand in a glove on these grass courts. That slice, the way it cuts through the courts. Her comfort level moving forward. Her ability to attack the forehand. Get to the net. Her ability to play that slice in the outer thirds of the court. Her ability to get to the outer thirds in, in general. Her ability to change direction. It all makes sense. And that explains why she's 15-15 and 15 in her career on grass courts. A 77% win percentage, the highest on any surface in her career. Her first serve, about 3% more effective. Her second serve, a full percent uh, more effective. And as a returner, she's only half a percent worse. So again, the Ashley Barty we see on every surface is about the same. That's what makes her so dangerous. That's why people speak so highly of her already, despite the fact that the 25-year-old only won Grand Slam title at this point. But again, it just feels like as we play more and more slams during her prime, that number inevitably will end up growing. And again, Suarez Navarro, three-set win in round one, but then beats Blinkova, beats Sinyakova in straight sets, had the opportunity to serve for the second set, up 5-4 against Sinyakova, blows that game, ends up coming back to clinch the set 7-5. I kind of like that little adversity for her to end week one. I think that'll sharpen the senses. And now she takes on Barbara Krejcikova, who you watched her three-set match against Sevastova in round number three. That was a match that was played on Saturday. So again, she only had one day off. She just looked drained. Physically, it looked like she was nursing some uh, a little bit of an injury as well. She ultimately pulls out the victory, seven th- six three six seven five. But again, you don't want any sort of ailment when you're taking on Ashley Barty, and you know for Krejcikova to follow up that French Open title to hold seed here, make the round of sixteen. I think at this point we can already chalk up Wimbledon as a victory for her. While she's certainly capable of winning the title, I don't think anyone came into this uh, grass court season expecting her to be the Wimbledon champion. Meanwhile, Barty, now that she's proven she's healthy, there's one goal in mind. Win this Grand Slam. And I'm not saying that's not in the mind of Krejcikova as well, but I just think A, there's going to be a desperation to Barty, and B... 
I just think Barty looks more in tune physically right now. I don't think Krejcikova's got big enough weapons just throughout the course of the rally. I don't think she's going to be able to, you know, tee off and hit huge forehands into that Barty backhand and make Barty uncomfortable. Certainly, she'll move the ball well around the court. She'll be able to hang with Barty physically through set one. The question is, has Krejcikova played too much tennis over these last 52 weeks that it started to add up? And not too much. Has she played so much that it started to add up? She's 46-16, and 16, which is a stellar record. She's coming off of her first Grand Slam title again. All of these things are good, but it's been essentially a year of play for her. I know we had the abbreviated offseason November, December, but these matches are now starting to add up for these players, and certainly you look for Krejcikova again. Tossin, Patkovich, Sevastova, the week one victories for her. While the serve is good, I don't know if it's big enough to really... I feel like Barty's going to be able to hit that backhand slice comfortably, get the point back to neutral, and just... I think the Barty forehand's the biggest weapon in this match, and I think ultimately that and her fitness carry her to victory. She's minus 275 over Krejcikova, so we throw her in the mix. That's right in the parlay zone. That's leg number one. Leg number two is going to be Madison Keys, who we haven't spoken about too much on our mini break podcast, nor here on the GSP Ace of the Day. That's because you look for Keys. A, she hasn't played that much tennis lately. She's only 12 and 11 in her last 52, but she's kind of ho-hummed her way through the first week of this event. Straight set wins over Katie Swan, Lauren Davis, and then Elisa Mertens 5 and 3. The serve is clicking right now. She's landing first serves, having success playing first strike. It's allowing her to take some chances as a returner, to go big after those returns, go for broke, take control early in her return games, and then just hold on to those breaks she's able to get. And look, tomorrow she plays a very much informed Victoria Golubic. You look for Golubic over her last 52 weeks. Golubic, uh, now I believe uh, overall she is 46 and 18. Now, a lot of that success has come at the ITF level, but you look for her first week. 11 9 third set win over Kuder Matova, then in 2 0 win over Danielle Collins, a 2 1 win over Madison Bringle. She's into the round of 16 at a Grand Slam for the first time in her career, 22 and 17 now on grass courts that backhand is so explosive and honestly her game in general when you think of Victoria Golubic you think of a quick twitch athlete you think of someone who can explode down the line at any moment with any shot she's also going to track down that ball as well uh do a pretty good job getting to the outer thirds and can play explosively while there but the serve is attackable And I just think from a matchup perspective, because it's a one-handed backhand, I think it's a bad matchup for Golubic. I think if Keyes continues to serve as well as she did this week, she's going to have a lot of opportunity. In the first week, she's going to have a lot of opportunities to play plus one tennis again. She's been to a quarterfinal at Wimbledon before. Golubic never has even been to a quarterfinal at a Grand Slam before. I just think this is where uh, the time runs out for Victoria Golubic. I do think, uh, again, Keyes is going to have opportunities to attack the Golubic second serve. I think the Keyes serve and the Keyes forehand, despite how big Golubic hits the ball, are still the biggest weapons on the court. And I just think there's a confidence to Madison Keyes right now. She finally looks comfortable. She's back into the second week of a slam. We know how dangerous she can be when she gets there. And this is the opening, by the way. We don't talk about the Madison Keyes window enough because certainly you look for Madison Keyes. Feels like she's been a part of the ecosystem forever. She's another 1995er. She's still only 26 years old, so there's still a lot of good tennis left 
to be played for Madison Keys, but with all of the talented next geners, given the uncertainty so many of them have on grass courts, just the small sample size, this is a window for Keys. The tennis abstract forecast has loved her all event long. I like her to get through this match with Golubic. You parlay her minus 215 money line odds with Ashley Barty, plus 101 overall. We're going to throw one unit on that to win 1.01. That's ace of the day number three. Ace number four, it's only a half unit parlay. I think Zverev, who is, and by the way, Keys Golubic, one and one in their career. Keys, a comfortable one and two win in Miami 2017. Fed Cup 2019, Golubic, two and three over Keys. Of course, those were two completely different Madison Keyses in those two matches. But, anyways, to move on to parlay number two, speaking of head to heads, you look for Alex Zverev. He's three and oh in his career against FAA, one and four, three and one, and three and three victories. He's made fourth week now, his last seven slams nine out of the last 10 he's made quarterfinals or better at a bunch of them as well I I just think again for Felix who's made the fourth round at all three uh at three of the four slams now excuse me all of them but the French Open who is absolutely a success coming out of this grass court season finals quarterfinals and now round of 16 here at Wimbledon in his three events for some reason, he's never had success on serve against uh, Zverev. And you look at his numbers on the second serve, he's won 50%, 20%, and 37% of his second serve points when he's faced Zverev. He's also only won 57% of his first serve points. He's made about 59% of his first serves to the usual 63%. He's also really struggled to break Zverev. A 12% break percentage against Zverev compared to the 22.4% he carries for his career. It's just a bad matchup for FAA because Zverev, when you provide him that pace, you provide him that first strike with his athleticism, he can track it down and then he can reabsorb and redirect pace as well as anyone outside of the Novak Djokovic realm. Again, I think this match is going to be really fun. I think it could be over three and a half sets. And you look on the day, I didn't mention these, but I think we're going to have a lot of matches go over. Jabor Sviantek, that, by the way, is your match of the day. That's delightful. Rabakina Sabalenka, never mind. That's your match of the day. Jabor Sviantek, plus 138 to go over. I like that. Rabakina Sabalenka, plus 133. I like that. Pliskova, Samsonova, over three and a half sets, plus 128. Bedosa, Mukova, plus 138. I like any of them. I also like over 0.5 tiebreakers in that power tennis fest. That is Rabakina Sabalenka. And by the way, plus 235 odds on over 0.5 tiebreakers. You're not telling me they can both hold serve four times, break twice in the course of one set? I say yes. I also say on the men's side, the odds are a little poopy, but... You know, minus 210 over three and a half sets in Hatchinov Korda. That feels like a lock. Over three and a half sets in Shapovalov RBA, minus 195. That feels like a lock. Over three and a half sets in FAA's Virov, minus 136. That one was almost tempting enough to do, as was the over three and a half sets in Rublev Fucevic, minus 118. Over three and a half sets in Herkats Medvedev, minus 107. Even over three and a half sets in Fed Sinego. I think Sinego could pull that match off. I'm just not going to get burned picking a Federer upset twice, but minus 143, intriguing, but ultimately, give me Shapovalov to get the job done tomorrow, minus 152 over RBA, I just, I have an inkling, I, I just think Shapovalov won and won his career in round of 16 matches, beat Gofan at the 2020 US Open, 
I just think this is a good matchup for him. His forehand into that RBA backhand, I think RBA loves to hit that inside-out forehand. Shapovalov's a lefty, and an on-the-run forehand, that's how he wants to be playing. He wants to be explosive. I also think he's going to have the sort of firepower to not allow RBA to get into his baseline patterns. I think he's going to be unpredictable, volatile, and aggressive enough to just throw RBA off the scent. So this is a bet on FAA. Uh, this is a bet on Shapovalov, and I'm hedging my bet for our Canadian fans. One pick Canadian, one pick against Canadian. Give me the Zverev minus 360 over FAA, Shapovalov minus 152 over RBA, Moneyline Parlay plus 112, 0.5 units to win 0.56. Again, I'm not super confident in that one because both of the picks I selected, all of these players, it's Manic Monday. This is when the fun begins, but again, we're in the positives. We're feeling confident entering week two. Yes, it's only going to get tougher and tougher, but to recap, the aces of the day on this Manic Monday. Give me Tom Janovich, minus 127 over Radikainu, one unit to win .79, over two and a half sets in Goff Kerber, plus 135.5 units to win .68. I'll also take a Barty Keys money line parlay, plus 101, one unit to win 1.01, and then a Zverev Shapovalov money line parlay plus 112.5 units to win 0.56 those are your picks for our monday ace of the day uh, aces of the day of course as always if you've missed out on any of the action through the first week of wimbledon you can catch up on it all on our website crackrackets.com of course like rate subscribe review to this podcast our mini break podcast cracked interviews podcast and all of our content here at cracked rackets if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack Rackets, you want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fleekner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Turn of Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800 554 3707. With that in mind, for our fantastic super producers, Fleekner and Westoff, for our friends at Turn of Tennis, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, hey, great shot, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.